Hey y'all, it's Nathan Resnick from Sourceify, and today we've got another epic guest on e-commerce on tap. This is a show about the entrepreneurs, creators, and agencies that make up the e-commerce world and the stories behind how they grew. Crack your brew because here comes another amazing episode. What is up? It's Nathan Resnick with Sourceify. We're here on e-commerce on tap. We have Benji Hyam today with Grow and Convert. He's going to be diving deep into how an e-commerce company can utilize content to drive traffic and grow their brand. Benji, thank you so much for joining us today. How's the day going? It's going well. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. We're so excited to have you. I'd be thrilled to get going and dive in. First, I want to know about yourself, how you got into marketing, and what was your first marketing job? Wow, taking me back. So I got into marketing actually through a class in high school. Uh, Luckily, my high school offered a marketing class, and I decided to take it and realized that I, I loved it. And so I ended up wanting to go to school for marketing, went to San Diego State, studied marketing, Uh, And I worked at a startup actually that did uh, clothing manufacturing. So we used to print uh, Greek apparel for a lot of the fraternities and sororities on campus and then also expanded to try to help clothing lines produce uh, clothes. That's incredible. I mean, I know also just a bit of your backstory. You went to college with the founders of Pure Vita bracelets. For those of the listeners that don't know Pure Vita, they're one of the fastest growing Shopify stores. They do over eight figures in sales a year and their social media and content is incredible. Did you have any insight into terms of how Paul and Griffin got started with that brand? Yeah, I watched them grow from right when they came back from Costa Rica and had their first a couple of bracelets and, and watching them build out their entire brand over time. It's been pretty incredible. So yeah, I know a lot of stories about stuff that they've done as well. That's awesome. And that's something we're going to get into in this podcast here. So kind of diving deeper into the content side of e-commerce, you know, right now you see e-commerce where so many people are running different dynamic ads across channels, but from a content perspective, I mean, you've grown blogs from zero to 40,000 uniques in, you know, half a year or less. What do you think an e-commerce entrepreneur can do to, to utilize content to drive traffic or from the other side of the table, you know, what maybe social media plays would you, would you use to boost your content? Yeah. So just to set some context, most of the the content marketing I do is on the B2B side, but I want to differentiate. Well, I'll first, I'll describe how I do it for B2B and then draw a comparison to how I think it's different in the B2C side. So on the B2B side, what we really focus in on first is user research. And I think it's the same thing on the B2C side as well. You really have to understand your customers in depth. On the B2B side, what we're looking for is who are the best customers. So who are the customers that are purchasing uh, from us the most? Um, Like the average uh, deal size. So on the B2C side, it would just be like average order value. uh, And then like, customer support headaches so which ones have the least on the b2b on the b2c side yeah you would want to look at which of the customers that are purchasing from you the most so the loyal the loyal customers that have the highest average order value and then learn as much as you can about those people so what are their interests why are they buying from you uh that those kind of questions and so i would start there and to really Uh, trying to have conversations with your customer, whether it's online through chat, whether it's uh, through email and asking questions to really learn about them. Um, And for example, some of the things that you might want to know, uh, what kind of blogs are they reading? Who do they follow? What are their interests outside of potentially purchasing your product? And from there, you can kind of back into 
what's the kind of content strategy that I need to create for my customer. Also, the differentiation on the B2B side and the B2C side is that your, your customers are likely going to be very different. So on the B2B side, we have the advantage of um, knowing like pain points that are very common amongst people in the field. On the B2C side, it's very different because uh, your audience is so much more segmented. You might have people that are 13 to 16 buying your product and 60, and there's no real similarities in the persona other than that they like your product and they want to purchase from you. So what you want to do is, is again, look at, look at the people who are purchasing from you the most uh, and, and people who are buying the high-value products, and then try to develop clusters and, and figure out yeah, what are the commonalities amongst those people? Who do they look up to? What influencers they follow? What other brands do they pay attention with you? Uh, what other brands do they pay attention to? And from there, you can kind of decide, okay, well, what brands does it make sense for me to approach to maybe do content partnerships with? Uh, what influencers can I target for uh, campaigns on Instagram or th for written stories and things like that? And I think that's kind of how you can develop where to focus uh, when you're first starting out. That's awesome. And I mean, there's two things I want to dive deeper in with that. Number one would be content partnerships between e-commerce companies. I mean, you see so many different players in the e-commerce world right now. How do you find the right fit for your brand? Let's start with that question. And my second question is going to be around utilizing influencers and the whole dynamic between a brand and an influencer right now. Yeah, so on the on the content partnership side, you're looking for people that share a similar target audience as you. I think that's the key thing. So again, going back to just the beginning, you really need to understand your audience in depth. And once you do that, then you can figure out, okay, well, if I was to look at my space, uh, what other brands come to mind or what other brands do my customers pay attention to? And does that brand share the same audience? And so the reason that someone would want to partner with you then is because if they have the same audience, they're looking to expand outside of their own network or their own following that they've been able to build on their own. And so you can approach them and just come up with creative ideas that add value to both sides. So an idea is if you were to, to approach a brand uh, and you might create the content, but then uh, have them share it on their site or their own social networks to drive awareness back to your site or vice versa. And again, the goal is to, to help both brands build audiences on either side. And so I think that's, that's the real value there. That's awesome. And I think sometimes, you know, as an e-commerce entrepreneur, you have to find someone that is fitting into your demographic with different products and someone that has the same, you know, sized audience because a big brand like, you know, Pure Vita bracelets isn't going to deal with an e-commerce company that's just starting out. You have a story about that? You yeah. I think that's a great point and something I forgot to touch on, which is, yeah, if you're just starting out, let's say you only have a thousand followers or an audience of a thousand people, email list of a thousand people, and you're going after someone who has 250,000, there's really no value for that person to work with you at all. And so what you got to do is start small. I think, uh, there's a great book by Ryan Holiday, uh, Trust Me, I'm Lying, which is the concept of how to hack PR, essentially. But he talks about this concept of trading up the chain, which is you want to start small. So when you're when you're first starting out, go go to people that are similar size as you. And then when you go to the person, like let's say you're both at a thousand followers. And then 
you do some kind of content partnership with the person who has a thousand followers. Then when you go to someone who has 5,000 followers, you say, Hey, I already did this content partnership with this person who has 1000 followers. They may know that brand. Let's do something together. Here's how it worked. Then you do something with the brand that's 5,000 followers. Then you go to the person that's 10,000 and you say, Hey, look, I just did this content partnership with this company that has 5,000 and you just keep working up until you can get to those really high value, uh, brands that you want to work with that's amazing i mean i think that's a great great point and the dynamic behind different brands is you have to have synergies amongst the audiences i think that's really what it comes down to you know the other thing i want to you know touch on that you you mentioned briefly was was pr for e-commerce brands and especially in you know trust me i'm lying in terms of the hack that he pulled can you dive deep into the dynamic of what ryan holiday did and also just you know what you see working for e-commerce brands in the pr industry yeah i mean we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about pr strategies but i think i think the key thing is to to figure out what reporters would want to tell stories about so if you let's like one i would target specific publications maybe you're not going after like a business insider some massive publication to begin with maybe you're going after trade publications or smaller publications what you want to do is look at the stories on their site figure out what they're covering and then figure out an angle that you can pitch to a reporter that's exactly in line with what they're doing and and then your goal is to make their job easy for them so these people have to write stories all day a lot of the times they're they have certain quotas that they have to hit and so if you're looking at these sites and really understanding what content they're producing and what drives traffic and value for them and then you pitch a story around something that's very similar to what they'd be covering you're making their job way easier for them and so i think that's the key thing is just putting yourself in the shoes of a reporter and and trying to figure out uh yeah what you can pitch them that they would want to cover and then i think also just like thinking outside the box a little bit too i think that's key so you see the same stories over and over again is there like data you can curate on your industry or is there an analysis that you can run on your customers that might be interesting to a publication that they wouldn't be able to get on their own so if you're looking at your own business you want to think about what information that you have that's hard to get for everyone else and package it in a way that'd be interesting to the publication. That, that's a great point. And I think even for me, looking back on the e-commerce stores that I've started, like Yes Man, when I was a, a college entrepreneur, I mean, we crushed the PR game with Yes Man. I mean, that's how we drove the majority of our traffic to our website. And that's how I became a writer for some you know major media outlets like Entrepreneur and the Next Web and the Huffington Post was literally just through that college entrepreneurial story that I had and really pushed it to the editors and writers of those media outlets. The next topic in, you know, content marketing for e-commerce brand that I want to touch on that, you know, we just had Kevin of Epic Gardening in here is about SEO, you know, in terms of maybe developing a blog and then creating products that, that, that readers of those blogs would like to utilize. Do you want to, you know, dive deep into actually this dynamic between growing a blog and then either having products you can sell to your audience or, you know, most people obviously start by selling affiliate deals through a, a high traffic blog. But what's the dynamic that you think can be created between a high traffic blog and actually developing your own products? Yeah, if I go back to the, the B2C and B2B analogy, I think B2C, the challenge is 
your audience is so much like larger. And so from a traffic perspective, you need to create a lot more traffic to start seeing consistent sales than let's say you would on the B2B side. So on the B2B side, you may be able to get something like 10,000 visitors on a blog and start seeing some pretty good results. Where on the B2C side, it may be it may take 50,000, 100,000 people to start seeing the same kind of results. Uh, so that's one thing I'll say. On the on the gardening side, yeah, I mean, what he did is very similar, which is start with the customer. So if people are interested about gardening, what are, what are some of the challenges that they may have, uh, like when it comes to gardening? So maybe their plants are dying. What's causing that? So putting yourself in the customer's shoes and figuring out all the challenges that they're, they're going to have about gardening and then educating them on that space. Uh, so I think that might be a little bit different than most people who have companies that are following this podcast. So like if you were to sell a watch or a bracelet, obviously people aren't going to be searching for, for how to solve problems with wearing a watch or a bracelet or anything like that. So you might have to think a little bit differently in terms of what would interest these people? What other things are they doing in their daily life? Like if you have a watch brand, are these people uh, living an active lifestyle? Could you tell stories about uh, like professional sports people or people that have an active lifestyle and relate to your target audience in that way? Um, so yeah, on the B2C side, it's not always as clear cut as just like figuring out problems that people have and writing solutions to them. Oftentimes it's thinking about what type of life does this person live and how can I tell stories or engage people that would be interesting to them that they would want to read on, on a regular basis? That's incredible. And it actually reminds me of a company here in San Diego, Tower Paddleboards, that was on Shark Tank. And the founder, Stefan Arstel, I think is his name, they developed you know, the Tower Magazine or it's Tower Media and now they develop a whole media outlet around that tower paddleboard lifestyle yeah i mean i haven't worked with them or anything like that but i think that's a great example to build off of so yeah let's say you're selling power paddleboards so what would people be interested in around paddleboards you could talk about surfing you could talk about the ocean you could talk about the best waves you could talk about different locations around the world that people are going paddleboarding um, it, it, again, it's thinking about your customer and what might interest them and then thinking about what stories or topics that you can cover, uh, to get in front of that audience and then attract them back to your website. And then from a conversion perspective, uh, yeah, you may want to have a product listing within the article so that if you're already capturing the right person and people that would be interested in your product, you're able to capture the sale at the same time. That's awesome. I mean, and so, you know, diving deeper, one of the questions that I, I want to bring up is in terms of the content marketing that you see, you know, companies doing, whether big or small, what is something that sticks out to you? What's, you know, one company that really you think is hitting the nail on the head in terms of driving a unique story around their brand or utilizing content in the right way to grow? Yes. Yeah, so in e-commerce, I think Lowe's is probably the the company that comes to my mind that's doing a really good job. So if you think about the type of person that would come to their store or buy from them online, typically around like home building projects and things like that. So again, starting with their customer and the challenges that people may face uh, and, and what their products help these people do, they realize a lot of people are trying to build things at home, fix things and stuff like that. So from a content perspective, 
they started educating people on how to do do-it-yourself projects. Um, so from building a house to fixing a window to uh, like a pad- like building a patio outside, just thinking about what projects people would need to come to Lowe's for and then helping people solve those challenges and educate people about how to build some of these things uh, from the experts. And I think it's a really good example of just maybe thinking outside of the box a little and just thinking about how you can add value to your customers uh, through content and through education. And, and it's not just written content, it's videos, it's interviewing experts and bringing in influential people who are known for building things uh, and, and really using that to build like a lifestyle brand on top of just the e-commerce store. That's awesome. And I mean, I see that, you know, with, with Lowe's and the dynamic that they've created with their customers. That's incredible. You know, next question, if you were to start an e-commerce brand tomorrow, what would you do? How would you grow it? And you can still have the existing knowledge that you have today in terms of all the content marketing and marketing knowledge that you have. But if I said to you, look, here's $5,000. I want you to grow an e-commerce brand tomorrow what would you do to take it to the next level? You know, what would be your first step forward and, and, you know, how would you really grow the brand? So I might have a little bit of bias in the way that I approach it, but I would not build the store first. So what I would do is think about what I wanted to sell uh, and then try to build an audience first for whatever that is. And so again, starting with the customer and and the product and just figuring out what people would want to read or what, uh, what ways I could engage that audience or build that audience, get them on an email list, something like that, and then grow the audience as much as I can, and then go maybe test sell the product to that audience and see how viable it is uh, before I go source it, before I go build a store and invest heavily in it. I think it's pretty easy uh, to find communities around whatever you're selling uh, beforehand and try to build that audience and build that engagement ask people questions and, and um, yeah, really learn from customers about what's broken in the space or what people are wanting and, and learn that way first. And only after I feel like I have a very good understanding of what customers want, uh, go build and source the product. And then I have a built-in audience right from the start that I can continue to sell to. Uh, I think, yeah, that's how we built our, our marketing site. So it started as a blog educating people about marketing and we educated people for 18 months before we turned it into an agency. And then we had 29 leads for customers come in the day we launched our agency because we had spent time building the trust, knowing what people wanted right from the get-go. And I think even though it's in marketing in a different space, I think the same thing could be applicable to uh, e-commerce. You just have to think outside the box a little and think about yeah, again, what people would want to read or what people would want to watch. Um, if you're on Instagram, what kind of content people would want and, and yeah, back into it that way. That's awesome. And I want to kind of dive deeper into your journey, you know, with Grow and Convert in terms of how you started with a blog and transition and pivot. I know you made a few different pivots um, and, and I just want to showcase that journey for an e-commerce entrepreneur because when you you go out and start a store you know it's not like you're going to hit product market fit right off the bat you know there's a lot of e-commerce stores that have had their ups and downs that you know might have started with slow sales like i was just uh you know live fit they're a big athletic apparel brand you know they started slow the guy was literally a, a personal trainer randall 
um, the, the CEO and founder was a personal trainer and he, you know, desi- decided the, to start the live fit athletic apparel brand because he was personal, tr- you know, training these clients and said, Hey, you know, why don't I create my own apparel brand and just started selling them to his own clients, started his own online store and it grew organically because he had that audience. But going back to, you know, your whole journey in terms of developing a blog, growing an audience, you know, what were some of the main pivots that you made and, and, you know, take it more from a top level approach because it's not directly e-commerce related, but in terms of the pivots that you made and the mindset that you guys had to, to go through to make those pivots, what was that decision process like? Yeah. So when we started this, it was, it was because I had grown a blog at a previous company from zero to 35,000 monthly uniques in six months and we were generating revenue off the blog and that was the sole channel that was driving all the, the company revenue. And at the time I didn't realize what I had done or if it was like that challenging, that was just my specialty. And I kept getting other marketers asking how I did that. And it maybe took me a year before I did anything about it, but I kept getting the same question over and over again. Like, how did you do that? What was the first step? How did you come up with the ideas that attracted the right audience? How did you build out the writing team? Uh, and I, and I got those questions enough to, for me to really think about, Oh, well maybe there's something here and there's something that I can educate people on. Uh, and then it all came together when I went to a marketing dinner and sat with 20 different marketers and the same thing happened where all of them had the same question. And so just the idea was to start a blog. It wasn't a business at this point. I was still working full time in San Francisco, running marketing at a different startup. Um, but I, yeah, I started just writing what I knew about content marketing and, and really thinking about the challenges that people had around that and how I could help them solve these problems. And the gap that I saw in the marketing space was that people were writing these really high level articles that didn't really help someone accomplish something. And so we wanted to write only case studies to show how we did this from real experience and to go really in depth and in the weeds on, on how to do everything in content marketing. Uh, so started building the traffic and to launch, we did this live challenge where we challenged ourselves to grow to 40,000 uh, monthly readers in six months. And that's what got people following along was just everyone wanted to learn how we were going to do this. And we would share on a monthly basis everything that we had done from the content strategy to how we promoted the content. And people really felt like they were a part of the whole experience. Um, so we grew the, we grew the audience a, month, a bunch and then it came time to monetize. And so the hypothesis going into the monetization was that uh, we were teaching people content marketing and we wanted to provide training for people who wanted to learn from us. Uh, so the first monetization method was a phone course. Uh, we, we pre-launched, so kind of the same hypothesis test method. We just wrote out the course on a Google Doc landing page and then said it was going to be, I think, 750 And uh, see, we just saw if anyone would buy uh, just off of the audience that we had built. And we sold out 10 seats. Uh, so... The challenge with that was it wasn't scalable. So we were, t- we were taking four hour phone calls with uh, each individual person who had bought the course and it just wasn't going to scale because we were selling our personal time. But the whole goal was for us to validate an online course. The challenge was that at the end of this, everyone said that they got a ton of value from it. But the reason that they purchased the course was they wanted to buy our personal time. So we're like, okay, well, it wasn't about the material that we were educating people on. It was more people just wanted our time to learn from us directly. 
back to the drawing board. So then we said, okay, well, how can we form another product be, that gives people more of our time? So we came up with this idea of doing a workshop where we would sit down with companies in person and, and work with their whole team for a day. Um, again, it, we sold a few workshops, I think five in total, but again, it wasn't scalable. There wasn't enough demand there. And so it was back to the drawing board. At that time, we had validated both the, the content from the online course, I mean, the phone course and the workshop. And the mistake that we made going into the online course was we'd re- we didn't revalidate the course. We just decided to build it. We spent four months building a course, launched it, and then realized that uh, we got about 10 to 20% of the goal. Um, but here's, here's the key lesson, I think, what we learned in launching the online product. One, it was a great product, but we sold it to the wrong audience. And the learning was when we launched it, we we reached back out to customers for feedback in that audience that we built and asked people why they didn't purchase. And a lot of the businesses, which was our target audience, they said that they didn't want training. They would rather have us do it for them. And that's how we landed on the agency. So two weeks after the course, we decided to pivot to uh, a marketing agency, uh, just based on all the feedback that we had gotten from our audience and them saying that they wanted someone to do it for them. Again, we'd launched with the Google Doc landing page uh, at 6,000 a month and just saw if anyone would purchase. And we sold our first two contracts in the first two weeks after launching this. And the agency has been growing ever since. So I think the key lesson here is build an audience around something that interests your target customer and then use your, your customer base to get feedback and test ideas with them until you find something that works. And then when you find something that works, double down on that and try to grow it from there. That's crazy. I mean, you literally had four major pivots pretty much to become to come across this successful model. And it like relating that more directly to, to e-commerce, I mean, think about the amount of audiences you have to test on Facebook if you're driving Facebook ads or with AdWords, what keywords are you going to be going for? Or even across channels, are you going to be selling on Amazon or through Shopify? Like there's not going to be one route to success. It's going to be a lot of iteration and a lot of pivots. And, you know, I, I, wrapping up here on e-commerce on tap, the last two questions I want to ask you. Number one, I mean, it sounds like after all those piv- pivots, there probably was a point that you thought you were going to fail and maybe thought you'd have to go back and, and get a, you know, another marketing job. What what was that process and thought process like? There were multiple times. So I think January of last year, I was interviewing up in San Francisco for full-time jobs again because we weren't making enough money from our store. Um, and I, I got offers. And then when it kind of came down to it, I had to make the split second decision on whether I was going to take it or whether I was just going to take the risk to keep focusing on the business. Uh, and I just decided to keep trying to take on consulting projects to pay my way through the challenges that we were having in the business. And then when we launched the online course, that was kind of the end goal that we had set out to build right from the beginning. And so when that failed, um, my partner in, in our business was like, Hey, I'm just going to sell the whole business to you and you can kind of run it cause I'm done and we haven't made money from this and I'm tired of doing this again. It was about 18 months and, uh, yeah, it was just about taking, taking a step back and really trying to understand what went wrong, asking, asking the tough questions like, why did it fail? What did we do wrong? 
and then going to get feedback from our customer base. And I think the key thing and why I said I would build an e-commerce business this way is because when you have the built-in audience, you can afford to make those pivots because you still have the right customer base there. If you didn't have a customer base, like for an e-commerce company, if, if you're driving traffic to uh, like via paid ads or something like that, try to capture emails, try to like build that audience so that you have this core customer base that may be interested in what you're selling uh, and, and it grows over time. I think that's what afforded us all those pivots and got us through that is because we still had 10,000 people, 20,000 people on our site every month. And we had a growing email list of people who were interested in content marketing alone, but maybe we didn't have the right product to sell to them yet. Um, so yeah, it was just a really, really about, it, it was making tough decisions, taking a little bit of risk, but just looking at what the downside was. Like I always knew I could go get a job if I needed to. And yeah, that's kind of how we got ourselves through it. That's incredible. I mean, your story right there is just amazing. And so, you know, wrapping up here, the last question that we have, you know, e-commerce on tap, we always like to bring in innovators, thought leaders, people that are really going to push the needle forward. I know you're one of the most connected marketers in the world. You know, you're known all across the globe for your writing on Grow and Convert and now for your agency that's doing some amazing work. If you were going to invite in another e-commerce entrepreneur or marketer, who would you recommend share their knowledge on our show? Uh, take a second to think about it. You know, we don't let everyone on the show, to be honest. We, we get quite a few requests to come on, but uh, if you have anyone in mind, feel free to share. I'd look to all the brands that are, are doing really well because I think it's one thing to learn from like a marketer who runs an agency. It's another to learn from someone who has actually had to build their whole company from scratch. So I would look to, yeah, Pura Vida movement, all, all of those people who have taken kind of like a commodity product and have built a brand around it. I think that's, that's a key theme I think is, is it's not only about your product. It's, it's about building this brand and those two companies, especially have built like a cult following around a watch and a bracelet. I mean, that's pretty hard to do, but I think it all comes back to their marketing. They were able to really figure out, uh, again, who their customers were, what interests them, and build like a lifestyle brand around those interests. And I think that that's fascinating for, for me as a marketer to, to see someone be able to do that. Uh, and then if I were to bring in a consultant, I would probably bring in William Harris because I know he's done e-commerce marketing for like little race cars and like all these little types of products. And I think he'd be a really interesting person to learn from. Amazing. Well, you guys heard it here for first. We're coming after you, uh, Pure Vita bracelets and movement watches and, and William Harris. Benji, thank you so much for joining us on e-commerce on top. It's been a, pl a pleasure we look forward to seeing your agency grow and, you know, everyone, where, where can they check out, you know, if they want to reach out to you, contact you, see your writing, where should they go? Yep. So we share marketing case studies on growandconvert.com. Uh, and then you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Benji, B-E-N-J-I-H-Y-A-M. And so people can connect with me there or on Twitter. I'm super active. Uh, same thing at my first name, then my last name. Amazing. Thank you so much. There we have it, guys. Thanks for listening in and we'll see you next time. And there you have it. Thanks again for tuning in to e-commerce on tap. If you could like, subscribe, tell a friend, 
really spread the word about the information we're getting out there. That would be much appreciated. Also, if you have any manufacturing questions or need help with your manufacturing, feel free to reach out to Sourceify. We're the fastest growing manufacturing platform helping hundreds of companies produce products around the world. Thanks again and have a great one.